Welcome to Lymphedema Podcast. I'm Betty Westbrook, Certified Lymphedema Therapist and the host of Lymphedema Podcast. The purpose of Lymphedema Podcast is to provide answers and explanations for people affected by the lymphatic disease lymphedema. This podcast is for patients, family members, medical professionals, and anyone interested in lymphedema. Each week, I discuss a new topic related to this disease to help you learn more and navigate better the journey ahead. Disclaimer, as a certified lymphedema therapist, all information provided is based on my professional experiences and education. I recommend that anyone who feels they have lymphedema or have been medically diagnosed with lymphedema seek in-person medical treatment from a certified lymphedema therapist. I'm so passionate about teaching others about lymphedema that I created this podcast. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're ready to learn something new today. This is episode six of Lymphedema Podcast. Welcome back for another episode of Lymphedema Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the last episode on cellulitis. All of the episode topics are picked randomly from a list that I've created, but I feel like today's topic is conveniently placed early in the new year while we're still focused on resolutions and creating better habits. Exercise is an essential element in both phases of lymphedema treatment. This quote from the Comprehensive Guide for Practitioners, 3rd edition, really caught my eye while researching for today's podcast. Exercise has profound benefits for weight reduction and management, improving energy, mood, and immune functions, combating chronic health conditions and diseases, and providing socialization and relaxation. All of that sounds wonderful, right? But thinking about it and doing it are two different things. Let's talk about those things that are keeping you from starting. If you've already started and still have questions like, should I be doing this? Is there something else I could be doing? I'll cover that too. First, let's talk about precautions and contraindications. That's just a fancy word for saying a red light to exercise or a yellow light to exercise. Red lights for exercise, first and foremost, are your safety. If you're going to be exercising alone, meaning no one at home, and you feel unsure, I would recommend waiting until there's someone there with you. Not that you need a babysitter, but often the affected limb causes balance issues that could be worsened with exercise. Any pre-existing medical condition can affect your safety and ability to exercise. I'm not a doctor, so I recommend if you know you have a pre-existing medical condition or a doctor has ever told you not to exercise due to a pre-existing condition, then please, Do not start an exercise program today. Contact your doctor to discuss your plans and to ensure that you are safe to exercise. Conditions can range from diabetes, kidney disease, heart murmur, seizures, high blood pressure. The list could go on and on. Ultimately, your doctor is going to give you the final say-so if exercise is safe for you. Active cellulitis. Cellulitis we covered in the episode before. So if you don't know what it is, go back and check it out. But you don't want to increase the blood flow to an infected region of the body because that promotes spreading the infection. I would count cellulitis as a red light to exercise until fever is gone and redness no longer spreads past the outline borders. Any contraindication for complete decongestive therapy is also a red light for exercise. This includes arterial disease, cardiac edema, congestive heart failure, malignant lymphedema, 
and active infections such as cellulitis. Yellow lights for exercise again include pre-existing medical conditions. Any pre-existing condition needs to be cleared before starting an exercise program by your doctor. Your safety is priority, so be sure you've talked to your doctor about starting a new program. Active chemo and radiation for cancer treatment. It's my personal belief that staying active by walking and doing range of motion exercises improve quality of life during chemo and radiation. That being said, if you are really getting your butt kicked by chemo or your skin is burned and blistered from radiation, limit any activity that worsens the symptoms. I'll address some activities to do if you find yourself in that phase of treatment later. To summarize the red and yellow lights of exercise, I'll just say talk to your doctor about any pre-existing condition that could affect your safety during exercise or that exercise could exacerbate a managed condition. For the most part, exercise in moderation is encouraged. If you're currently going through active chemo and radiation, I would recommend that you take it easy and practice diaphragm breathing and simple range of motion activities. A lot of these are going to be remedial exercises. You're just keeping the joints from getting stiff while you're working on healing. Let's talk about the benefits of exercise. The quote from earlier summarizes all the benefits of exercise, but I'm going to remind you anyways. Either by actual fat loss or by lymphatic fluid loss, this is a great benefit for lymphies. Managing a healthy weight is important for everyone, but especially those with lymphedema. If you manage your actual weight by daily exercise, then you will be aware of increased lymph volume whenever you get on the scale. 2. Improving energy and mood. This one makes me giggle a little. I remember when I was wanting to start a consistent routine of exercising every morning, I told a friend, I don't have the energy to get up that early. Followed by this question, how do you have energy the rest of the day? He laughed and said exercising gave him energy. I also laughed and thought he was just delirious from lack of sleep. Turns out he was right. Exercising produces endorphins that make you feel good and give you energy. It's the craziest thing. I know. But once you create the habit of working out, you'll notice increased energy and energy that's steady, not that artificial caffeine rush that ends with a crash later in the day. Three, improving immune function. We already know that our lymphatic systems are part of our immune system. Increased activity of the lymphatic system removes waste and toxins from our bodies, leaving us stronger and healthier to fight germs. It should go without saying that increased activity in the lymphatic system removes fluid. The fluid we're trying to push out of that affected area. 4. Combating chronic health conditions. Exercise strengthens our bodies and enables us to function better. Daily exercise can decrease blood pressure, blood sugar, persistent pain, chronic inflammation. The list could go on and on. The endorphins pulsing through your body, the increased oxygenation of blood that's pumping due to the increased heart rate, the removal of toxins and waste from the body, and the improved bone, joint strength all work together to heal your body. There's much more science to the effects of exercise, but that's a good place to start. 5. Socialization and Recreation Accountability and friendship and exercise was an unexpected benefit for me. Shout out to some of my workout partners, past and present. 
Haley, Mercedes, Christy, Caitlin, the OT girls from work, and some others. Working out builds friendships. <laughs> Either you both hate exercise and just work out to hang out, or you're pushing each other toward a new goal. There's a unique bond there. This friendship and accountability can be accomplished from home too. My girl Caitlin is a Beachbody coach who holds conference calls for 6.30 a.m. workouts. There's no excuse. You just have to get out of your own way and take the first step. I only listed benefits from the quote earlier, but there are many more. Taking the first step towards starting an exercise routine is the hardest. Once you've started, you have the hardest part out of the way. Keep going. If anything, just to prove to yourself that you can. There is some controversy out there about lymphedema and exercise. When to start? How much? What's too much? The list could go on and on. In the last 10 years, there has been a shift in the stance on exercise and lymphedema. Research has shown strong support of exercise following breast cancer treatment with lymphedema. There is also published research based on leg lymphedema due to cancer treatment that supports exercise. The National Lymphedema Network revised their position statement in 2011. It reads as, Follow recommendations on exercise for lymphedema as specific forms of exercise have been shown to benefit lymphedema. Incorrect or unsafe exercise may exacerbate lymphedema. Even though the research so far has mostly targeted secondary lymphedema, there are general conclusions that we can draw. Anyone participating in exercise for lymphedema should have their lymphedema under good control. Remedial exercises are considered exercises done under the supervision and guidance of your therapist. Compression should be applied prior to remedial exercise to promote decongestion of the limb. Garments should be properly worn and fitted for best results. Anyone wanting to return to a higher level of activity should do so in a transitional way, starting with remedial exercises during the intensive phase of treatment, followed by increased range of motion and proper form needed for specific activities. Leading to developing proper strength, coordination, and power is important before jumping back into a high-level activity. An example would be playing tennis after treatment for breast cancer. There are specific requirements needed to play tennis at a high level, but those can be accomplished safely with time and effort. Breathing exercises are an important component in returning the lymph fluid back to the bloodstream. A little anatomy lesson. There are two holes in your diaphragm. One is for the inferior vena cava bringing unoxygenated blood from the lower half of your body back up to your heart. The other hole is for the thoracic duct which empties the lymph fluid into the venous angle of the heart. The more you practice diaphragm breathing, the more you will stimulate the removal of lymph from the body. It essentially milks the thoracic duct, increasing the removal of fluid from the deep lymphatic system. Walking, biking, and singing promote diaphragm breathing. It's kind of funny. I'll tell people in the clinic all the time, if you don't have a husband to yell at, you should just try singing loudly in your car. It kind of does the same thing. Resistive exercise improves muscle mass, strengthens your bones, joints, ligaments, and tendons, while also promoting healthy weight management. 
When beginning resistive exercise, your weight should be low with your focus on form and repetition. Whoa, I said the R word, repetition. If you had treatment following breast cancer, you've been told to avoid overhead activities, especially ones that are repetitive. But new studies since 2011 and on have proved that exercise with low weights, high reps, while wearing compression, improve lymphatic function without causing increased damage. So please, do not send me ugly emails before reading and researching current literature. I will warn that before starting weight training, you need to be in a stable condition, meaning the limb has been decongested and infection-free for three months. Aerobic exercise can be as easy as 20 minutes a day walking in your house. It can be done in increments of five minutes walking and two minutes resting. Anything that promotes physical activity and increased heart rate is a great place to start. Other examples are yoga, biking, swimming, or water aerobics. High-level activities like tennis, golf, kickboxing, and running aren't recommended for lymphedema patients and usually are recommended to be avoided. My professional opinion is that you know what you are capable of, so start there. If you can only muster up enough strength to walk around your couch five times, then do it. If you want to join a water aerobics class five times a week, do it. Just make sure you're not causing harm to your well-being or neglecting to wear compression during these activities. If you start to feel that you've hurt or strained yourself, you may just need a break from the activity and return to the basics of compression, MLD, and remedial exercise. Let's review a few things here. Remedial exercises are often done under the guidance and supervision of your therapist. But you can continue those in your home exercise program before you transition to more advanced exercise. Resistive exercise is best done after your affected limb has been decongested and infection-free for 90 days. Wear compression that is properly fitted during all exercise. Breathing exercises, specifically diaphragm breathing, are essential for the return of lymphatic fluid to the bloodstream. Anyone considering increasing their current program or beginning a new program should have their lymphedema under good control first. Aerobic exercise or returning to high-level activities are based on the individual person. You know your body best, and if you feel capable of returning to a high-level activity or joining a yoga class, go for it. Just do it in a gradual progression that doesn't cause you harm. Now, I want to specifically speak to anyone listening who has head and neck lymphedema. It's likely you saw a speech therapist who gave you funny-looking exercises to do. And I bet you'll never guess what I'm about to say. Do them. That's right. Those silly faces, silly noises, and repetitive, scrunchy faces are helpful. It's a good practice for you to do facial exercises every day. Exercise affects people with head and neck lymphedema differently because walking, biking, or lifting weights doesn't affect you the same way. But laying down for most of the day or not doing the facial exercises will lead to negative changes. I want to close today by telling you what my workout essentials are. Number one will always be music. If I'm doing yoga early in the morning, it's usually a playlist of Carrie Job. Lauren Daigle, or Phil Wickham, 
This puts me in a place to praise and reflect while exercising to start my day. But you can listen to whatever you want. If I'm doing yoga at night, I might play soundscapes or just a chill acoustic playlist from Spotify. I 100% will be listening to upbeat music during cardio or lifting. Spotify has tons of playlists or genres to choose from. Rachel Hollis is kind of my favorite person right now, so I keep her Rise Weekend 2019 playlist on shuffle during all my workouts. Number two is comfortable clothing. Don't laugh and please don't tell my husband that I said this, but sometimes this means yoga without my bra on while still wearing pajamas. It's true, and now that I've said it, I can't take it back. You know my embarrassing yoga secret. But most of the time, this means a loose t-shirt and some good tennis shoes. They don't have to be expensive, top-of-the-line things to be good for your workout. Wear whatever you can move comfortably in for whatever activity you're doing that day. It's as easy as that. Number three is community. Find a friend in person or online to share this journey with. It's likely they need it too. You are 100% more likely to stick to a routine or schedule if you have someone counting on you to show up. Zoom is a free video calling app you could use to work out virtually together while miles apart. Set a time to meet someone at the park to walk. Set your alarm to text a friend when you start and stop your workout. Anything to keep you connected to someone, making the same effort as you, will make you both more successful. Mother Teresa says, loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. This podcast is here for you to find friendship and a community for your journey with lymphedema. I hope you've enjoyed learning more about exercise. Email me with your story if you'd like to share, lymphedemapodcast at gmail.com or visit the website lymphedemapodcast.com to submit a topic for another episode.